Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. This is Lisa, and if you want to catch up with me on Twitter, you can find me at ILTM Podcast. I'm also on Instagram. I love that movie podcast. And we have a Patreon. The show is always free, but if you want to support us on there, you can. And for as little as a dollar a day, a dollar a day, God, that would be a lot of money. Um, <laughs> it's $30 a month, and all you get are my thoughts on The Mandalorian. No, um, it's um, for as little as a dollar a month. That money goes towards supporting the show. Plus, you get a bonus episode uh, where I have weekly guests. Lately, we were talking about The Mandalorian that we just wrapped up this week. Next, we're going to start talking about WandaVision, but I have a guest on there, and we talk about those shows. Then I also have a little weekly roundup where I just talk about what I'm watching that week. And I want to take a moment to thank our top patrons, and they are Chris Balga, Michael Cross, Philip Barker, and Ricardo Alvarez. Thank you so much for keeping the lights on. Um, And if you like what you heard today, guys, please subscribe and rate the show. It does help new listeners find us. But anyway, you guys may have saw in the news that there was a snowstorm here in Texas. That derailed this week. (laughs) And um, it made me question whether or not we have an episode this coming week or not. I had one in the can from last Friday. I didn't get to put it out till Wednesday. So for this coming week, uh, I asked a very dependable guest that also happens to live here, and his name is Nick, and say hi, Nick. Hey. Okay, Nick, so thank you so much for stepping in and helping me out. Um, In case people haven't heard you on the show before, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? Uh, Well, I'm Nick. I live here. I'm married to Lisa. Yes. I'm pretty sure after this week, you guys are going to be tired of hearing me. Oh, yeah, he was also my patron (laughs) guest. But luckily, I mean, you do know a lot about uh, The Mandalorian. You make uh, lightsabers. I almost said light swords. Light swords. Laser swords. Laser swords. I do want to make a dark saber. You should. That'd be cool. It'd be really neat. Um, And so you are always a guest that I treasure, a guest that I'm in love with. How do I make this weirder than it than it is? It's not even weird because you've been on this show a bunch of times. You're in the very first episode. I'm I'm the backup backup. No, I don't think of you <laughs> as a backup, but I do think of you as like, um, when I ask you, uh, it's like asking you, hey, can I cut into your uh, video game time? And I know that you value that, mm-hmm. and so I, I get a little stressed. When I asked you because of that, but I, I don't want you to think I don't appreciate you being on the show. I, I, I really do. Yeah, I charge her by the minute when I'm on the show. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say like you were a guest semi recently, so that's probably the only thing that, you know, maybe there would have been a few more months in between, but... Yeah, um, well, we, we didn't plan on being um, 
living like caveman style for like two or three days. Yeah, like we there at one point we didn't have uh, power for twelve hours straight. It, it might have been ten. It might have been. Eight. I don't know. It well, all started it was, to blur together. After it was a while. long enough for it to get down to about 40, 41 degrees here. It was long enough for everything in my fridge to like spoil. <laughs> one that? degree outside. Yeah, so it dropped quick. Like one morning we woke up and it was forty two degrees in the house, and that was with like. We had like eight layers of blankets, the dogs, and we were we were miserable. I remember at one point my mom, she was trying to like cheer us up and she was like, you could read a book. I'm like, reading a book uh, burns precious calories I'm conserving right now. My eyes will freeze. I've never been that miserable to where I, there's no way I could have read a book. All I could think about was just being warm. And a lot of time, Nick and I were both like, horizontal under a mountain of blankets on the couch closing our eyes just praying for it to be over like it was not we were not like doing things while this was going on yeah. we, we were like getting up every once in a while to like refresh the fire but mostly just being miserable maybe dante's inferno would be worth reading yeah it would warm you up <laughs> it might it's like you know? oh all those layers of hell it sounds so nice <laughs> it felt like we were in one of those layers sometimes yeah. But anyway, so now we have power and uh, we always had water. And honestly, guys, I, I want to say as much as I complained on Twitter and other places, we actually had it pretty good because we did have options. There was somewhere that we thought about going. It was just kind of far and the roads were a little treacherous, wow. so we didn't go. But we were like this close, like bags packed and then things got better. And so we stayed home. But we well, were Well, no, I think we leave. had our bags packed and then where we were going to go also lost oh, power. Oh, yeah, that happened too. <laughs> But then, like, some people, like, you know, no shade to my mom, but she had power the whole damn time, which yeah. I felt was extra unfair. Okay, we've done uh, winter apocalypse talk for five minutes now. Let's get back to the show. I will say I always let the guests choose. However, I will say I think this was, like, a joint choice. We, we threw around a lot of ideas. We weren't feeling super creative after how cold we were, well, but this, we settled this on this was, one. This movie was really good because... Um... I'll go into it more when we talk, but I was very skeptical when they first announced it. Yeah, I mean, the track... Well, let's just go ahead and say what, yeah. what episode or, or what movie did we pick? Are we going to say the movie's name or the real name? You can say both if you want. It's um, Battle Angel Alita. Battle Angel Alita is the name of the comic in or English. Or actually, Gum. Gum, yeah, is the original name. And then in English, they called it Battle Angel Alita. The movie is called Alita Battle Angel. How many different ways can we say it? <laughs> um, Angel Battle Alito. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. There you go. That's going to be the sequel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, you know, this is a movie that uh, we both had, yeah, we were really nervous about because number one, every single anime movie adaption is always garbage. I mean, they're yeah, terrible films. Yeah, watch the Dragon Ball movie. Yeah. Or I like, haven't even watched that. I can't bring myself to. I haven't even seen the Ghost in the Shell movie. I just can't. Yeah, we haven't seen that either. I, I just can't handle it. But it's like the biggest problem when they try to adapt, and I saw a, a, a video on this, so I can't actually claim credit for this, but I should post it in the group. But the biggest reason why a lot of these uh, projects fail is because... A lot of these anime films, I mean, they're made in Japan, obviously. They're Japanese cart, uh, animations. Mm -hmm. And they're made with Japanese, like, sensibilities and philosophies and ways of looking at things. They're not westernized. Yeah. And so a lot of times, uh, big studios will take some of these concepts and try to westernize them. Or they'll get rid of parts they don't understand. But a mm -hmm. lot of times it needs that because that's a part 
of it's like a big cultural part of it which makes sense to the story even if they don't understand it over here right and i think they're not giving their audience enough credit because i mean for some of us that you know as teenagers nick and i both relate on this we were big anime fans and so yeah when we first started watching anime it's a little bit of a culture shock you're like i don't understand these conventions i don't understand you know, certain things about Japanese culture. And I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, being a weeb made me completely understand (laughs) anime culture because that's insane and not true and offensive. But I will say that you're more open when you're a fan to kind of seeing it, things from a different point of view. Well, especially when you really watch it, you notice um, constants in all the shows. You're like, oh, this is just, this is a normal thing. Or like, that's a common phrase over there that yeah. might not necessarily make sense. But when you hear it enough, you're like, okay, I get it now. Exactly. And I think one big difference is that there's a focus on individuality, I think, a lot in our culture. It's like, you know, fear of losing your identity, fear of losing who you are, me first kind of stuff. And then like in a lot of Asian cultures, the focus is more on like, society family like everybody else and so like a lot of like overall well-being yeah and like the well-being of everyone as a whole and so like a lot of times those you know messages don't translate over here i mean the biggest they just leave it out right and so it's like it leaves out the biggest point of the story like that happened with ghost in the shell you know um there's an emphasis on being connected and for some reason in the American one, they just took all that stuff out. And so like all the concepts in that movie are like gone from the movie. And it's just like a sexy lady who's like shooting guns, which that happens, but there's also like a bigger message happening in the movie. So that being said, um, I, before we get into the plot and I know guys, I'm going to feel like I'm really delaying talking about the movie, but it's build up. Yeah, It's build up. So for me, uh, I first read gum uh under the name battle angel alita when i was a teenager um i remember going to barnes and nobles and you know thumbing through different or comics and b dalton's yeah walton's bookstore walton's and, yeah walton's yeah not b dalton's b dalton's b dalton's and boop boop beep boop <laughs> but yeah so like um i remember looking at this comic and a lot of times the comics were mature rated i guess is the best way to say that they didn't really like today like they have all these different ratings and you're like okay i know kids can read this it was all kind of just lumped into one thing so i opened this comic up and you know a couple things i noticed right away uh it was extremely graphically violent we're talking about like brains sliding out of skulls violence which is (laughs) i mean i'll hand it to the movie to make a good movie and manage to get a pg-13 rating yes i mean because really if they were to show the actual story. I mean, yeah, it is gruesome, disgusting. <laughs> yeah, in, in a good way. Um, but yeah, I noticed that. And then, I mean, the biggest thing for me was that the main protagonist is this girl who is small and she's got, you know, kind of a bob haircut. And she's like, they kind of joke around that she's flat chested for her age, which is something that comes up a lot in anime, which probably has its recent, like, problematic you know examples of women that happen to look younger than they really are and making that sexualized and weird but me not knowing that as a kid when i would read that i was like oh this is someone like me a small 
person. I mean, I was I was really young when I read this, so I was like, and I always looked younger than I really was. And so I like literally saw myself as her. I was like, I've never seen a, you know, sort of superhero-like character that has the exact same haircut I have. Of course, my hair didn't look that good, but I thought it looked similar. <laughs> and that somebody that I felt like represented me, but then she's like a complete badass you know, cyborg girl. That's just not something you saw in Western culture. You know, when there are hero women, they're like Wonder Woman or Supergirl. They're like hot and like, you know, tall. And so like seeing a character that kind of looked like me was so exciting. And so I read the first novel and then I ended up collecting all of it and reading nine novels. Now there's a Battle Angel Alita and then there's another series called The Last Order and then I think there's a newer there's one called some, Chronicles of Mars or something like that. I think that. it's, I want to say it's still currently running. Yeah, I think so. And the other thing is um, the plot is a lot deeper than you would think. Just like thumbing through it or even hearing about this movie, you're like, by now it's like a trope, right? We're like, oh, robot sexy girl uh, killing people or whatever. <laughs> that sounds weird. No, Probably well, not really a trope. But I just mean I feel like, like that kind of get draws people in. And yeah. And they're like, oh yeah, by the way, here's like some deep philosophical shit to think about. Right. Like it's kind of a deep thinking sci-fi. Ghost in the Shell is kind of like that too. Even yeah. the comic is a little more like well, The comic is like the encyclopedia compared to the movie. Oh, that's true. And like, but if you looked at the art, you would be like, this is going to be a bunch of like naked ladies and there yeah. are but there's also a really really good science fiction story so like my expectations all of that long-winded stuff is to say my expectations are high you know for this like i want yeah. it to be really good um and when i heard james cameron had it no shade to him but i just didn't see i was like is he really gonna make something is he gonna do what everyone else does where he just deletes the philosophy out of it and, and all just... we get is a girl that is fighting, you know, ro other robots, uh, other robots yeah. and we're kind of like, I guess this is fine, but like, what's special about this? That's kind of what I was worried about. Um, yeah, same. Um, I became a little more on board, but still skeptical when uh, Rodriguez took the reins of it. Like, Cameron dropped from being director to just producer, and he got Robert Rodriguez to come on as director. Mm -hmm. And that kind of got me a little more interested. I'm like, okay, well, maybe maybe I'm a little more on board now. I still didn't think a lot was going to be there, but I'm like, it sounds more like a movie I'm going to like now. Yeah, because we like Robert Rodriguez and, you he's know. He's local, local guy. Yeah, he's local for us. He's a Texan. Um, and then I saw, like, the casting news, which was also a little bit um controversial because of course you know you would think she would be japanese but um, i feel like it's so far in the future there's not really any specific ethnicity anymore right Plus, and her name not is human. not like a japanese name yeah because her name is always alita um it, it, you know the difference with uh ghost in the shell is like she literally has a japanese yeah. name first and last and they live in tokyo like it's different <laughs> but with this it's yeah, like this yeah this is like space names like in, yeah like star wars or something it's like so he picks rosa salazar and you know this is like another thing that i, I like about local, the movie from Texas too? oh is she probably but um oh born in washington dc oh, raised man. in maryland oh well oh big doofus you doofus no i didn't know but um the thing is 
when, you know, because of who Rodriguez is, because he is Latinx, he's going to, he always like infuses more Latinx people into oh, yeah, his, his movies. movies are great. Even his silly ones, like they're, they're good. Yeah. And I so I think it's cool that he decided to make his main character a Latinx woman, you know? So I, that was another thing that I was like, well, that's an interesting idea. It's not offensive. And, you know, um, the creator is still around and he's on board with it. Again, different from Ghost in the Shell, which is like not, yeah, not the, the creator. The creator it's like... had a bunch of, uh, he was in on the writing and, mm-hmm. and all the uh, directing stuff. Yeah. So all that stuff was like making me happier. You got Jennifer Connelly, Christoph Waltz. Oh, Christoph Waltz. Was, you know, I was like, oh, this is. I usually is... like him in anything. Yeah. So I was like, okay, this is looking up. Um, before I go further, since I've like blabbed forever, um, let me go ahead and read the synopsis. Uh, if you haven't seen this, I suggest pausing it and seeing it first because we will talk spoilers. Yeah. But and we might even go into deep spoilers of what could happen. Exactly. So be on the lookout for that. But here is the synopsis. Set several centuries in the future, the abandoned Alita is found in a scrapyard of Iron City by Ido a compassionate cyber doctor who takes the unconscious cyborg Alita to his clinic. When Alita awakens, she has no memory of who she is, nor does she have any recognition of the world she finds herself in. As Alita learns to navigate her new life and treacherous streets of Iron City, Ido tries to shield her from her mysterious past. That's a good synopsis without really giving anything away. Yeah, I, I mean, and that's it, it's what happens. Like the first like 10 minutes of the movie. Yeah, um... It's it's a pretty good synopsis. I, I The next thing I wanted to say is I have a couple quick facts, just like two, that I wanted to run over. Um, there weren't a ton for this film, but these, these are a couple. The first one is that the film is based, you know, as we talked about, the, on the nine-volume Japanese manga Gum, released in North America as Battle Angel Alita, written and illustrated by Yukito Kishiro. Uh, the comic book for, ran from 1990 to 1995. It was followed by the 19-volume sequence Battle Angel Alita. Last Order, which ran from 2000 to 2014, and later by Gum Mars Chronicle, which began in 2014, which I need to read Last Order and, and uh, Mars Chronicle. Because you have all of the main I, story and uh, Last Order, I right? have two um, volumes of Last Order. Oh, okay. So, like, when Alita was coming out, I guess that's when I was reading it. Like, yeah, I didn't I realize it was like that. Because it came out in 95, so it would have been like... 13 i swear i read it like around then 95 here 95 there so it, oh, okay. it, it may have been released later in america so maybe i was like 16 by the time he came over here but i was i know i was still a teenager like i know i was still yeah if the original run was looking like 95, a kid <laughs> probably didn't get it over here until after 95 yeah so quentin tarantino recommended christoph waltz to robert rodriguez um to be ito I thought that was kind of an okay. interesting Easter egg. Yeah, they've worked together several times, so he probably trusts them. Yeah. And Tarantino's worked with Walt several times, so yeah. he knows he can... And I thought that was a great choice, great casting. I thought that was Edo. good casting because, you know, like in the comic, he kind of looks, honestly, Egon-ish. Egon, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had the biggest crush on Ido when I was a kid. And the comic is, I will say, like another good choice in the movie is they sort of change the dynamic between Alita and Ido. In the comic, it's um, like a young blonde guy that like, a skinny nerdy guy, but yeah. a young blonde guy that, that picks her up out of the trash heap and he brings her back, kind of like in the movie. But in the comic, 
Um, there's like a weird sexual tension between them, and well, you know no he's attracted other to her. There. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, like it's weird. There's like there's something weird going on, but there's nothing really there. There's no reason for it to happen. She expresses that she loves him, but it's very like it's kind of born sexy yesterday trope, where like he rescued yeah. her, he's the only man she's met. But then the difference with this comic and what makes it so different from a lot of those types of stories is that she evolves personally where she's like, hey, um, I have feelings for him, but I recognize that it's kind of because he's the only guy I've met. And then later she starts to have feelings for uh, for Hugo Hugo, instead. They're a better match. They're a similar age. And then there's some weird tension with Ido where he's like, Ugh, like what do you like him and, it, and it's kind of this awkward triangle yeah and she later in the comic like asserts herself and is essentially like okay just because you found me and even though you helped me like that doesn't mean i owe you being in love with you and obsessed with you forever like i'm still gonna go live my life now which yeah. is kind of progressive like that's what happens in the story is she's kind of like thanks for everything but I'm going to live my life, <laughs> which yeah. is cool. But I think they kind of avoid a lot of that awkwardness in this version by making her more of like a daughter to him. Well, this is something that they added for the American version that we actually were talking about last night when we were watching. It's like this was like the best addition you can do when adapting like an anime into a live action movie. Yeah. This is like it's no live action anime-based movie has been this good and i think it's because they changed too much but this minor little thing they added was perfect all it does is it it makes it easier for the characters to like connect quickly because like we understand okay he lost his daughter that's why he sees like a young girl and like helps her and then gives her his daughter's body like she gets the body that she has in the movie that kind of like really decorative body yeah but i think in the comic it's a body that he harvested from someone else. And yeah, that's like that a awkward sticking point of like, you killed someone to give me this. Like the, the, the comic is way more gray in terms of morality than this is. Yeah. Uh, but I like this better because then they don't have to have this weird, like toxic relationship. And you can kind of understand why he's trying to keep her innocent and stuff because he's sort of trying to replace the loss of his daughter he, yeah, he's hurting and so able to touch on the same um themes as the comic but it's this is a little more i guess palpable for the american audience yeah it's like such a minor change but it kind of adds a lot to the story for just such a a small change yeah i really liked it and i know there's some criticism i saw online because Later in the movie, she finds her true body, which, again, does happen in the comics, where it's like she finds the body that she would have had, you know, 300 years ago or whatever. And then it adjusts to fit her psyche, and it's older. And people were saying online, you know, gross. She gets like a sexier, quote-unquote, body. But you're just sexualizing her by saying that. She just gets an older body. And it's not like he didn't do that on purpose. He, the, she subconsciously remembered her looking a certain way and so the body adjusted to the way she looked so it has nothing to do with him giving her a sexy body or anything yeah and that's why the nurse has that comment she's older than you thought he was assuming she was younger again because it fit 
his grief. It's yeah. not that he wanted to trap her as a little doll princess. It was that he was missing his daughter. He gave her his daughter's body. He was kind of projecting that onto her. Yeah. But in reality, she was actually always a little older. So I think it's like he wanted, he thought she was like 12 to 14 or something like that. And she's actually like closer to an adult, like 16 yeah, to 19 like, or yeah. something. And so like a lot, again, a lot of people I think misinterpreted that part as like, oh, now she, she got bigger boobs or something like that. And again, it's like, don't like sexualize just a woman's body. She just got an older body. Anyway, I just wanted to say that and give my rant on that because that really <laughs> bothered me. And on some level, like... I thought the like, movie yeah. did that perfect. Like the certain phrases they threw in there, it covered it pretty well. I thought so too. And I think this is sort of like an awkward sticking point of anime in general where, you know, it, the elephant in the room is yes, like women are hypersexualized in anime so like i don't want to act like that's not a thing but i'm just saying in this instance i don't feel like that's where they were going with that at all i think that you know people were sort of preemptively attacking it without watching the whole movie and getting like the context of what was happening um and they do a good i think a good job of skating around all those tropes now am i extremely biased and desperate to like this movie yes <laughs> i'm not gonna lie i am but yeah so there's my little rant. Um, Nick, I feel like I've talked a lot. Do you want to talk about some of your favorite scenes or something well, you liked? I, I didn't know if you had any more facts on your fact page. Oh, that, that was it. Okay. Um, uh, one thing I, I really liked, I feel like they captured the aesthetics perfectly of I... the comic. Like down to the little cars driving around with like just one wheel and everything. It looks exactly like the comic that... Um, like the concept art and everything um even well one thing they left out probably because it's too gruesome but like whenever they they cash in a bounty because they're they become bounty hunters in the in the movie those little heads that pop up they're actually supposed to be robots with like prisoner like body parts on them yeah the the comic goes really dark and deep with this whole like classism and and you know it's sort of touched on in the movie like you know you know that the rich people live above because they have more real body parts so in the comics there is like a lot of classism that's a big issue again something that maybe now uh western audiences like but maybe a few years ago they'd be like this is promoting communism but yeah. anyway there's um a lot of like rich people living in zalem they're pure quote unquote yeah. they're human and so they get to live up there and then everyone else lives down here because technology is evil, which is the case in a lot of, you know, uh, sci-fi. Yeah, it's like technology got so far, it completely caused, like, civilization to collapse. And now it's like... Right. So now it's like outlawed. Mad and so style type stuff going on. Everyone that's quote-unquote unpure and, um, you know, is part robot, which actually, you know, that's a theme in Star Wars too. But anyways, we could get off on a tangent about that. But, like, all the robotic people or cyber cyborg people are down here uh, on the Earth still. They have to live in these shitty cities that, like, yeah. are crappy. And um, the people that Just are... Just hope people from Zalem throw out something good. Yeah, they, like, literally live off their trash. Yeah. And the other thing is uh, people have to pay for their debt certain ways. So, like... In the movie, they talk about, like, okay, hunter warriors are basically, like, the police now because they don't They're have a police force. Yeah. yeah. And, um, like you said, prisoners, people that owe too much money. They, they In the comic, they didn't go into this in the movie, but in the comic, 
if you owe a lot of money, you can donate parts of your body mm -hmm. to pay off debt. You can sell, and, and it's very coveted. So, like, yeah. the hotter you are, like, the more you want to, like, sell your body yeah. to people. Yeah. And the... Which is so much they took out of the movie, but this movie is still phenomenal. Yeah, I still think the movie's really good, but it's there, there's cool stuff like that. In the, and the other thing is, like, like Nick was saying, if you owe enough and you basically need to be put to death because you're, like, just too broke, yeah. you donate your brain and you become one of these little worker drones, yeah. essentially, where all you do is collect bounty. So it's, like, sort of a metaphor for, like... You're essentially data entry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's really messed up, but it's also, like, oh, that's kind of cool. Um, but, yeah, they, they even... What I was going... They even had that in there, not as gruesome as the comic, like, with, like human eyes and lips on a little robot stand it's just but, kind of implied but they yeah. had it the the design of it looked exactly like the comic like down to stuff like that they really nailed the look of this comic into this movie i don't think i wrote this one down but i read that like okay so they go to this bar in the movie called kansas and i read that like where they are is supposed to be kansas city missouri and that's why it has that name which i really like the idea that they're like in america because i, I don't yeah know. Yeah, I would have thought that. I, I guess just this type of movie, always saying it's like, oh, it's like New York or something. Yeah. Or Washington. But it's like, I guess, yeah. And the other thing is, too, that I like that I add, that Robert Rodriguez added was just like how diverse Iron City is. Because I feel yeah. like that's a little true to form, too. I do feel like just the way things are, I feel like, you know, the well, more diverse like people would be down years, here. Yeah. And it's going to be there. very, like, diverse. And one thing that's different, I think. It, it may be touched on in the movie, but not 100% explored. Again, I'm sorry if I'm ruining a lot of stuff for you. But Ito... I mean, they, they kind of show in the movie Ito and um, what Shirin are from Zalm. And they want to get back there. And they talk about well, that Ido a lot does, in the movie. Ido, I think Ito's happy he left. He's ha Yes, because he removed... We can, we can go oh, into yeah, go the, the later stuff. Which, we'll, we'll finish this up, but then we can, like go into more stuff why this movie needs the second half so bad this movie is not finished without a sequel that's all we're gonna say but well, and we'll talk about it's it actually literally but. half like they ended the movie halfway through the comic yeah the movie is is kind of based on the animated movie that came out i think yeah. in like 1993 or yeah somewhere around there but they they released an anime it movie came which out is, before it was finished yeah it was literally like one or two of the novels no actually like a few pages <laughs> like very little and this movie kind of took that and added some from the later novels into it it kind of crammed a lot of history into like one movie which was a complaint people would ha had and i it's There's hard for me to see that though in the comics yeah i agree yeah but also like i i think it's hard for me to be objective because i read so much of it that it i can't tell like what's shoehorned in but it was it was done i think it was done really well um but yeah it, like we'll we'll finish this up but we'll go into what we can expect if we ever get a a, a sequel so one of the ways you can tell someone's from Zalom is that they have this little pyramid on their forehead and yeah. you can tell in the movie shirin still has it yeah. but ito has removed it so he only has like a scar of yeah, where they, it was they made a, um, an effort to show there's a very slight scar on his forehead like he removed it he does not want to go back yeah so he's down here and that's also why he's so much better at like taking care of people yeah, he's he more like educated lead, he's like a doctor scientist mm -hmm. up there and now he's like takes care of people down in iron city 
And he's the only one people really go to because he knows his shit. Yeah, he's like more advanced than them. And Sheeran wants to return up there. Um, and that, that kind of, again, they touch on that in the movie, but they don't really go into it. Um, so that's something I really like about the film. But also, um, you were talking about the aesthetics earlier. And so when we found out she was going to have like these big eyes, that was, another that thing. was controversial I was, I was at first. I was skeptical. Mm-hmm. I was skeptical up until I was sitting in the theater seat, but whenever the way they do it, like the motion capture nowadays is so good. And the fact that, okay, here comes spoiler territories. The fact that she's Martian, yeah, like she's not human. She's going to look different. I thought that was a good touch. Like, okay, these people look different. Yeah. It's not just them on purpose making her have big anime eyes. It's like, no, this is a completely different race. They're from another planet. That's true. And I thought that was like really good and coupled with motion captures so well with the technology Cameron did in uh, Avatar. It was like it they pulled it off for once. And I don't think they'll be able someone else will be able to do it again unless there's like a good reason. Like this was a good reason to have the anime aesthetic in real life. And I think it gave like her this sort of Pinocchio quality kind of like yeah. she's not quite you know, quote unquote real. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's aware of it and it bothers her. If she was just like a regular human and she has to like keep reminding us like, oh, I wish I looked more human. I wish I was human. But when we see that she physically looks different from yeah. another human, um, we're reminded every time we see her that she's not quite human. So like actually that choice plays into the comic. Well, now in the comics, yeah. you know, they're all anime style. So you kind of just assume she looks like a regular person. Yeah. But in this case, it's like she looks sort of marionette-ish. Yeah. I mean, and I think that plays well in the plot. Yeah, Very different. Like, everyone still looks human, even as, like, crazy modified as, like, Gruishka is. His mm. face still looks human. Like, he's, like, crazy, like, 99% robot. But his face still looks like a person. Yeah, and she's um, a cyborg, kind of like in Ghost in the Shell. She's where 100% it's like, cyborg body. Except her brain. Yeah. yeah. Her is the only body part she still has. They and say so, human brain, but I think she's like Martian, but it's probably after, this is so far into the future, humans probably colonize Mars. Yeah. But yeah, yeah she's from Mars. Yeah. And she learns that later, but yeah, yeah, but she's human, you know, she is a hundred percent human in that sense, but you know, the, the, the plot is playing around with what do we consider human? Like how many parts would you have replaced before you're not quote unquote human anymore? Um, and yeah, it's, it's funny when we see someone with a human face, we're like, okay, we can tell they're human, but why would that be so different from her just like not having the human face, but having like the human brain anyway, which I thought was really good. It, it looked kind of cheesy in the trailers, but in the movie it was pulled off really well when yeah. Hugo says, you're the most human person I've met. It's because what led up to that scene is that she has shown Hugo like very um, like humane treatment towards other people and everything, and she cares. And so it's he's kind of, he sees like, okay, you're definitely human, more human than people humans down here yeah and i like her relationship with hugo a lot better in this movie in the comic and in the anime he's kind of a dick <laughs> it was okay but it was also rushed it was this was rushed. this yeah. was flushed out way better like uh hugo even has a 
a decent arc where he's just some little street rat that's um doing crime to pay bills and then yeah it's very similar to the movie yeah it it, kind of like the crimes start to get too big and too personal because a lot of the crime is against cyborg specifically so he since he's he likes alita he decides to to stop yeah which i think is it's a good arc i like in the movie how um she's really attracted to hugo and and there's certain scenes where they like linger on him and i feel like it's not just because he's cute it's because he's like 100 percent human and so like yeah he under doesn't the, have any cybernetic yeah anything, really and under the layer of her being attracted to him she also sort of desires mm-hmm. being human you know again or whatever and so like i thought that was an interesting thing they kind of played around with in the movie um but yeah it, her relationship with him is similar in that sort of a whirlwind romance the first time she meets someone she falls in love with and then he's tragically taken away from her pretty quickly yeah um that is something i did not think they would put in the movie mm-hmm. him pretty much losing his body yeah have to get put on a robot body and then trying to climb to Zalem because he essentially goes kind of crazy. I did not think they were going to put that in the movie and they did and it was done perfectly. Yeah, I think so too. Like, yeah, in the comic and in the 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 animated movie that's in there too. They play around with the idea of like how traumatic it would actually be to like lose your body and like for him it's like twofold because he wanted to get to Zalem. He was at least 100% human in his mind so like he could have gone there theoretically but now he really can't and he's just kind of lost it and like that's the thing they talk about too in the movie that i like is that you know in the rollerball thing that they're oh, all distracted with oh yeah yet. let's talk about rollerball then but finish that and then we can oh. get into it because rollerball that's kind of fluff but it, it yeah. does serve a purpose like in in the uh in the movie you find out that if you win you have a chance to go to Zalem. so that's yeah. like really effective in like quieting the masses about how upset they are with their situation because it's like they're distracted with this really fun sport and then the possibility but of if someone your heroes get to go up there yeah then you're kind of like oh that's kind of like me going up there it's, it's like, like a way like, to I'm placate so glad people my, my team the team i follow they're all millionaires yay yeah it's like, and it's like how well, does that help you you and, buy all this merch and give them more money but it, when they win the super damn, bowl or Nick. the world cup oh, or stand or anything it's like you don't get anything oh no he said it i'm just that's essentially what it is <laughs> yes. you still live in a pile of junk and they're like put on a pedestal damn that's deep. Um, I don't so, watch sports, guys. Me neither, so we can easily <laughs> criticize something that other people like. But, um, yeah, so the thing is, in this version, uh, we also find out later, psych, they never get to go. And I did say psych because it's from the 90s. But, <laughs> but yeah, they yeah, don't get just, to ever go it's there. It's more like... Lies. Lies and mind control almost. Yeah. Um, and everyone is so controlled by this idea of like getting to go to paradise. Like they'll do whatever it takes, and so they're essentially getting almost free labor from everyone because they yes. want to go up there. Yes, and like Sheeran, um, you know, she um, is told that if she does all these terrible things, she's going to get to go up there, and eventually she's and eyes she, in a box. And it, yeah, that actually literally. does happen in anime, in the anime too, and yeah. in the comic. That that scene was another one I didn't think they were gonna put in there. Like, I didn't yeah, either. They did. It was like <laughs> it was like a frame for frame like scene from the comic onto the screen. It was perfect. 
Um, another really good casting choice in this movie was Marshala Ali, uh, who played Vector. He looks exactly like Vector. Like, it's crazy. Like, they, yeah. they did a good job with that. Yeah, and, the Vector character was really cool in the comics. And I think Mahershala, like, captured the Vector character perfectly. Yes, like his so... tone and everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's like what I expected. And that's what we got. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we find out in the movie that in some ways he's also controlled with this idea. Even though he's, like, cruelly holding Zalem over people's heads and then snatching it away, he's, well, he's also controlled with the same an, thought. He has an implant that, yeah. oh, here we go, here's oh, a new yeah. name, that um, Nova, Nova mm-hmm. can pretty much hack into his mind at any time and make him do anything. Yeah. Nova is the big bad of the movie. Also known as... Edward Norton. <laughs> that was an Ooh. interesting reveal when you're like, that... oh, it's Edward Norton. Okay, so now we're going to start getting into this movie totally had a second half plan because it's yes. only half the story. Why would you cast Edward Norton mm-hmm. to be in two scenes if you weren't going to do the second half? Yeah. And um... I feel like some of like the crazy acting I've seen Edward Norton do, like in like Birdman and stuff like that, he is going to give us a totally batshit crazy Nova, which Nova is batshit crazy. I feel literally like... insane. <laughs> yeah. And like it's that's the unfortunate part about this movie is like they kind of, you know, we get the rollerball. We get like a lot of ingredients from Alita, but like there's a big second half to the story that, that like, we don't get to see. That that we need to get the full story. And I think people are like, why didn't get it? It's like that's not it. We Go see this. You needed to see the movie so it can make money so we get the second half. That's where all the like, like, super amazing stuff is. I'm, I'm pointing to like my Charlie Day. <laughs> She's Charlie Daying right now. I'm like, this connects to this. And, but um, I guess we could spoil it. I mean, I feel like we've talked about a lot of really good scenes already, right? Or, or should we touch on a couple more iconic we scenes? We can touch on a few more yeah, and then we'll that. get into what Spoiler to territory. expect. Yeah. So you people can like start donating money to yeah. them and have them make them the second half. I like the scene where she wakes up. I thought that was done really well with the mirror. And, the first time? Yeah. yeah. And she like is not steady on her feet. And then the part where she like eats the orange. And then later she eats the chocolate. Which yeah. I felt like was very Wonder Woman-esque. Like the eating yeah, when the she ice gets cream. the ice yeah. cream. And I thought that stuff was really sweet. Um, and, and I like the concept well, of see, like... see that's the right way to do Blood yes. Sexy Yesterday. Exactly. Yeah. Like there's a way to do Show it right. Show them the human experience. Don't show them how sexy they are yeah like she's going through a lot of things that i think we take for granted yeah. that's kind of what you're supposed to get out of which it. was really cool with the hugo character like that was the first thing he showed her is like hey um check out rollerball it's a sport i like to play yeah and, and she's immediately and come, like drawn come, to it. yeah come play with us and you notice that ito is like constantly turning her away in the movie from Things like that. Like, she's like, rollerball looks cool. And he, like, tries to turn her away. This is because... And he later says, because of who she is, she's drawn to conflict. Which I feel like is sort of a metaphor for humanity. Like, we're drawn to conflict. And so, like, because she's got this, he says, new slate... He wants her to start over as this peaceful being that is not violent. Ido being a doctor wanted mm -hmm. her to be into more, like... Like, um... Like helping people. Helping people or curriculum type stuff, not sports and fighting and everything. Yeah, and he knew that her ultimate destiny was that she was going to be this like killing machine, a berserker, they say later. And so 
he should not have revived her essentially because she was from uh she was a cyborg from the past that yeah. wiped out a bunch of people so um. she, yeah erm and so he should have never woken her up, but he did. And I think the way he justified it was like, okay, I'll wake her up, but I'll make sure she gets like a whole new slate. She doesn't have to deal with all her mistakes from the past. Yeah. She'll be like a good person, quote unquote. But she is inevitably drawn to violence um, and has like a thirst for violence. And so she keeps in the movie putting herself in situations where she's quote unquote violent, where she's fighting. She goes to that bar and kicks everyone's which ass, which is an awesome scene. Really good scene. That was... <laughs> I mean, I don't want to drive people away, but that little pupper getting killed. Oh, yeah. Right out of the comic. Like, that scene. Yeah, that happened, too. That scene. I mean, even, like, Grueshka came into the bar, killed the dog, and that pretty much brought on the, the fight. And they do this really good job in the movie and in the comic of balancing, like, yeah, she's a hunter-warrior. Um, she She's truly a warrior through and through, but she's got this capacity for compassion and love and that's kind of what sets her apart from just being a killing machine She's i think got that's ito real... saw that and he yeah. was hoping he could tap into that but as it goes on he realizes like no she's both yeah she's she can be both mm -hmm. and that's kind of what makes her a hero later yeah. is that she can defend the weak and the people that need help with her strength yeah. and like that happens in the movie too but like that's kind of where this is all leading is that like and also i think we we learn like a big twist in the movie of like everyone thought of erm as the villains but actually they but actually, were trying to Irm sever is trying to take down nova yeah they don't and they don't Zala. have a problem with the humans on earth they don't like nova or uh Zalem, which is the last great city apparently there was like a bunch of them so they took down like, a bunch the of world. them before they yeah, got they defeated destroyed them all over the world except this one major one and so they kind of brainwashed the new population yeah. into being like that was bad, that was bad. we can't do that they're again. not trying to liberate you yeah they they're mean and so like bringing her back is basically going to bring about the their freedom but the other thing the resistance <laughs> i will say that i noticed this time watching it was that there's a comment in the movie about like how guns are outlawed and how that's an effort to control and i was like yeah. hmm kind of a anti-gun stance which i feel like rodriguez well, probably rodriguez is pretty anti-gun yeah <laughs> which i was like i don't know if i agree with that part but um but we get that yeah. cool like sword that zapan has true which she gets later yeah because yeah that's right because it's erm technology and if you read yeah. the comics you recognize the sword right away because well, yeah, she has that yeah, yeah it's like a part of her essentially which yeah. is cool because at the the last scene she actually puts it on her forearm which is where it is in the comics yes yeah it's like that's true. it's a part of her armor and i i really like the kansas bar scene for a lot of different reasons, but I love her like pep talk to them. Like, oh yeah, she's so like she's she's a smart ass. I mean, yeah. she's in the comic too, so I think that was captured really well too. It's kind of like she's got this like naivete because she just woke up, but then her real personality slips in, and that's kind of what happens in the comic too. It's like um, she kind of wakes up, but then slowly turns into like her quote unquote real self. Yeah, and, she taunts people. Yeah, just kind of a, like I said, a smart ass. Yeah, but a good person. Yeah, but ultimately, yeah, a good person. Um, so, should we transition um, into the spoilers, or let's get into ultimate spoiler territory? Okay. Like this is beyond the movie. Like, what if they make a second movie? This is what's going to be in it. So you notice in this film, 
it sort of ends, you know, later in the movie, she takes out Marshall Ali's character and she calls him a puppet. And that's kind of an interesting moment when she's like, you've lost another puppet because she looks like a puppet. You know, I think that was kind of neat. And then um, Nova is like, I'm not going to kill you yet, but I will later. And she's like, okay, because she's like, I could take you on. Um, But I think, too... Like at the end, uh, she's in rollerball and she's kind she's of becoming, doing uh, it the right way, quote unquote. Yeah, she's playing rollerball. She's become, um, oh, what do they call it? Um, the supreme champion or something grand, like that. Grand champion or something like that. And so she points her little sword up to the sky up like, to I'm, I'm coming t- for you And next. Nova's watching. Yeah. And so like, I think that's kind of like a, you know, I said it was a little bit of a uh, Hunger Games moment of like her sort of like yeah. uniting everybody with her cause. Like she kind of wins everybody over by being, you know, the hero they want. Yeah, it's she's... like she's becoming the the champion, but instead of like going to Zalm to be happy, she's like pretty much making a threat to them. Yes, she's like yeah. pointing her sword at them, not like take me in. I want to live with uh, with the rich she's like no i'm gonna take you down and she's letting people see that so in the comics this is like extra spoiler territory um you find out i can't remember which volume you find this out in but they do this story where it's there's literally like, like halfway through so yeah this is i mean we it's literally like a big reveal yeah. yeah where like you see these kids and they're kind of like running away and they're kind of like we don't want to grow up yet and you're like oh that's weird Anyways, it ends up being sort of a uh, Logan's Run sort of thing in a way of like um, you find out when people are old enough and they they transition to adulthood in order to stay in this perfect society. They've learned that like regular humans cannot be nonviolent. We are hardwired to be not to be violent Um, because humans are hardwired to be violent. We need to prevent this. And so the best way to prevent that is. You know, you're innocent when you're a child and you're an adolescent, but once you cross that threshold into adulthood, you become, you know, corrupt. And so in order to transition to adulthood and not be corrupt, you've got to give up the one thing that makes you violent. The one thing that makes you human. Yeah. Your brain. Yeah. So No (laughs) one in Zion is human. They were the least... uh, uh, In Zalem. They were the least human. So, yeah. At least everyone in Iron City, they all have human brains still. Yeah, so if you go to Zalem, once you turn a certain age, they cut your head open, take your brain out, dump it in the trash, and put a microchip in there with all your memories. Yep. And so Ido was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> like, I'm not doing that. Well, because and... I think, I don't know if Ido, I don't remember if Ido and um, Shirin, I think they were a little older because they were like, they were scientists up there too. Yeah, and in fact, they might, I can't remember, they might be robots, quote unquote. Maybe. They might not have their brains the... anymore. Yeah, I don't know. But that's essentially why Ido left. He's like, these are, it's just a city of robots. Yeah, he's like, they're this, human they bodies. don't have free will. They're like organic yeah. bodies, but nothing about them is human. Right. And so everyone in Iron City doesn't know that. They have no idea yeah. that they're basically being they controlled by robot overlords. even worse up there. Yeah. I think the closest thing I could compare this to is like Westworld. Yeah. It's kind of similar in that way of like eventually the robots sort of start uprising and they're going to kind of be in control but yeah it's like in order to 
achieve a perfect society, you have to give up like the one thing that makes you they authentically get rid of the, human. The brain to where they can put in a chip to where you do what they say when you when they say it. Yeah, it becomes very like Big Brother yeah. ish, and so yeah. And like I said earlier, I really want the second half of this movie because there's some scenes in the comic where like Nova's like batshit crazy, yeah, insane. But yeah. I feel like that would be fun to see Edward Norton do some of those. Like, I feel like in the comic, there's some dance numbers and all sorts yeah. of stuff. It, it would be so good to see the second half. I think, too, she gets to finally meet her mentor and she's like a villain now. Like, there's a lot well, of stuff that happens. Yeah, I think they, like, imprisoned her and, like, Im- put implants in her or something to make her a weapon. Yeah, like there's some cool stuff that happens in the comic that I really... But I feel like the story is interesting, but if you don't have that second part of knowing that like everyone up there is actually a robot, like that's like really good. And like I wish they had somehow put that in the movie, but I think they banked on it being... uh, on having a sequel and they shouldn't have. (laughs) It sucks because I don't know if it's going to, but God, if it did, it would be such a... If they can pull it off, it would be such a good like two-part. It doesn't need a trilogy. Yeah. It just needs two movies. The second half could be so good. I mean, unless they do a trilogy and go into, like, Last Order territory or something. But I don't think they need to do that. Yeah, I think that's... I mean, that would be great, but I doubt it. Last Order is almost like a retelling of the first half, but she knows what's going on. Yeah, I, um... hmm. I've only read two volumes of it, so I don't know. Anyways, back to this movie. Like, I mean, it was... It was a solid adaptation of a japanese comic from start to finish that was like enjoyable um the story was there the aesthetic was there and the message in the story yeah i think the heart of the story is there yeah and they did try to embellish it down either yeah there's lots of scenes of her being like i'm not just a little girl i'm so much more and that was kind of i think us projecting onto that because in a lot of like anime the main characters are female and they don't have to keep saying like, I know you're looking down on me cause I'm female. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's fantasy. So they never even have to like go there and it's just kind of understood. And I, I hope someday we get to that point in like American cinema too, where it's they don't have to keep asserting it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, nonetheless, I thought it was a really good adaption. I thought it had a lot of great qualities. I understand why some classic film buffs are like, I don't like it, but well, you know what? They don't like classic, those Marvel movies. I don't think those classic <laughs> film buffs have read the comics, so they don't know what is coming. Yeah, and plus, like, like I feel like if they knew the end game, since you dropped Marvel, <laughs> of this story, they'd be like, "Oh shit, I want to see more." Yeah, like, I I understand it, but also I think there's a place for this, and like, let us anime fans have this because it's let good. us have good movies. Yeah, because like. There's a reason why we like the shows. We're not just like one over by the art style, which is fantastic. But and, it's I mean, not there's just that. There's a like lot a lot of to anime it. I like that's it's okay. It's not yeah. good, but some of it is like fantastic storytelling. I think and that it deserves high budget like adaptations. I used to roll my eyes if I'm honest at the anime movie because I was like, wow, you picked like the most basic story from the whole you know, novelization, you pick this. Ugh. So, like, this is, like, actually an upgrade, I think, from the anime movie. Yeah. But... Well, the anime um, movie, they did water it down. They, they literally did. just showed the They're fighting. like, it's just about her and Hugo, and you're like, 
I mean, he's there for a little bit in one book, and that's it. This like, movie he's not did important. Hugo justice. <laughs> it did. Like, it like more made so him more comic. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I liked Hugo in this. Yeah, he had more nuance to him. Um, but yeah, I, I think this was a great movie. I actually thought it was a legit good movie. I I know I've seen the criticisms that people have, but I think they need to apply those to any superhero flick if they're going to, because they all kind of have that quality of like being a little rushed and being a little. Yeah frenetic and like i don't know but i think this was a good one but i think it goes back to them not knowing what this movie could be in the end yeah like if they knew the whole story be like we need this yeah and hopefully that happens i mean we live in a world now where um i was talking on a podcast with philip and mike today that um you know movies are now being called content as scorsese is so upset about um but it's like that opens up a lot of possibilities, you know, budget-wise and um, medium-wise. Like, maybe we'll get Alita in some other form, and I would be fine with that, so. I just, I would want them to keep the cast, and I would yeah. I would want Rodriguez to still be a part Involved, of it. Involved, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, let Cameron produce it again, but I really like the take and the directing style that Rodriguez had for this film, and I think... It fits with his directing style to do this film. Yeah. I think it makes way more sense for him to direct it than originally Cameron directing it. I agree. And, you know, this is something I never got thought I'd get to see in my lifetime. So I am really happy. A good happy. Yeah. Battle Angel Alita movie? I just didn't believe in it. <laughs> but I'm so glad that we got it. I Like so. I said, I was skeptical until I was sitting in the theater seats. I definitely cried. <laughs> there and afterward. Um, so Nick, um, let me ask you a couple of final questions. Uh, why, why did you like this movie so much if you had to summarize it? Why, why do we keep watching it again? Well, I I feel like we've touched on that several times. It's like, uh, they, they captured the pages of the comics and they put it up on the screen perfectly. Yeah. I mean, it looks like the comic. Uh, it feels like you're reading the comic and the stories there they didn't change that much they added a little bit they peppered in a few extra pieces here and there to make it a little more modern but they didn't change anything the the original story is there mm-hmm. well and said and uh how would you pitch this as somebody that hasn't seen this yet that's like thinking about it but they haven't like jumped in i really don't know even if you're into anime and if you're not from the 90s, it's already kind of a weird, old, almost outdated it comic. It is. The cyberpunk genre is kind of it, outdated. It came yeah. and went. Um, they tried to revive it with the cyberpunk game. Um, but I feel like if if you like sci-fi and cyberpunk and even fantasy, yeah, I mean, it has that aspect to it. There's like, it's very like gritty cyberpunk and sci-fi it is. I mean, it has... A legit character-driven story. Yeah, I so agree. So if if you really want a good story with little textbook terms, story arcs for multiple characters, it's there. I mean, it's it it hits all the bases of like movies one hundred and one, like what you want to see in a movie. The story moves along. The characters have arcs. I mean, the there's actual meaning behind what's going on yeah i mean it's really a a great movie and it's set in this like world that's super exciting well i mean why wouldn't you want to watch that i know people have said things like um 
it's almost like it came out a little too late. Like we've already seen this before. And I can understand that. I can, Maybe I can appreciate did. that, but, but this is a good retelling it. of it. I yeah. think, I mean, and if you're nostalgic for like the cyberpunk mm -hmm. anime, like I am, you know, like they I, captured cyberpunk really well. Not I think like, so. Not like to where it's appeal, appealing. Yeah. You know, Anime has been pretty obsessed with the cyberpunk aesthetic. And a lot of that comes from actually the film Blade Runner mm -hmm. is what influenced like Bubblegum Crisis and so many other animes yeah. that pull from that aesthetic. I think leading up to Akira and, you know, um, Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, stuff Cowboy like Bebop. That. You know, they, it, it all goes back to Blade Runner. And I think that this does a good job of showing you that aesthetic and honoring it and making you understand why anime stayed there for so long. That's it's, what I would say. Yeah, it's almost like blade runner like the world of blade runner but not the main character of blade runner yeah it's like, it's like a grid gear violent character. version <laughs> he's not a cop this yeah. is a regular person mm -hmm. in this in this realm yeah well nick thank you so much for you know being my guest again uh where can people find you uh you can find me pretty much on all the platforms mostly instagram but also twitter and facebook uh at wardco props um yeah just check me out there if I'm working on stuff here and there. Uh, a couple projects I've finished, a couple projects I'm working on, but lots of progress and and uh, what to expect in the future. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.